0: Raptors have not dropped three games in a row since last November, a different team now than then. Philadelphia will come away with the game three victory. 116 to 95 and they lead this best of seven series two games to one.
1: We can't let the shot making affect
2: so many other parts of the game. There's pick a thing tonight. We didn't make shots, you're right, but picks anything else, right?
0: The Stars stepped up for Philadelphia, and was huge with 33 points, 10 rebounds. It felt like there was a lot of guys passing up shots, right? There's a couple possessions, I I was like, oh, there it goes up, and four more passes would go by. It seemed like every guy that had it was open, and he kept moving it to the next guy. Jump night for the Toronto Raptors. Jimmy Butler with a huge performance tonight. Raptors limited to just 14 points, Leo, in the fourth quarter.
1: Those first couple minutes of the second and fourth were big, huge momentum swings in the game.
2: Welcome, welcome, welcome to Free Association. I think this is free counseling, free consultation, because man, what a week it has been. If you're listening to this, you know the Raptors down 2-1, and I've got two guys to give it some perspective joe casario did i say that right yeah casaro damn it <laughs> it was in my head this is why i don't introduce you we've only you. known
1: each other like what like 50?
2: a decade yeah. at least yeah. does a lot of great work covering the team is covering the series and i bring you in to add the positive perspective which you normally do because the sky seems to be
3: always falling and jd bunkus will provide the other side uh this well, is the energy that you bring yeah. me after months just, away Just sewer me immediately. No, no. I'm not
2: suing you, but I think there are some real issues that (sighs) have manifested themselves over the past 72 hours that put them in a situation down 2-1. And I said this to you, JD, and I'll say it to you now, Joe. Winner of Game 4 for me wins the series. Wow. If you're going down 3-1 and you don't have LeBron James on your team, the series is over. Yeah. And if it's 2-2 and you go back home and it's basically a best of three with two at home, I still think, all things being equal, the Raptors should win. They're the better team. They missed a lot of shots in game two that if they drop, the tenor of this conversation is is very different. But last night was more than just missed shots, no?
3: Yes. Yeah. Uh, Do you guys like the Leafs? Yeah. Yeah. When the Leafs lost game 7 to the Bruins this year, I had this moment where I was watching the game where I wasn't even upset because I just thought to myself like this is who we are. Like this is just who we are. We're the team that just loses game 7s and has to feel miserable all the time. And I had a kind of similar feeling yesterday with the Raptors where they're getting embarrassed in the playoffs. Kyle Lowry can't really find any offense. They're falling apart. You're seeing them get too emotional when Pascal Siakam is tripping guys. The adjustments that you expected, like a more effective Marcus Gasol, are not there. The bench continues to struggle. And you just sit there and say, even with Kawhi Leonard performing this way, this is who we are. The team that builds up expectations and just when they think they're safe gets embarrassed in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, I was on uh, this show after game one of the Magic series, and I think yeah, Donovan had once. asked me, you know, is it the same old Raptors? And at the time I was saying, no, it can't be, because if we're saying this is the same old Raptors and we're just accepting that as soon as you put on a Raptors jersey, you like morph into this different kind of, ba- like a losing basketball player, which we obviously know like isn't the case. Yeah, because why? Right, it's hard to watch that game last night and not kind of feel like, oh boy, here we go again. And it wasn't even necessarily that they lost. It was the way they lost. Mm-hmm. And a team with Kawhi Leonard, a team with Marcus Saul, a team with Danny Green, you know, forget the holdovers like Larry and Siakam. Just with those three guys alone should not be getting, you know, wiped off the floor in a playoff game. It felt a lot
2: like road playoff games in Washington, which we've seen. It felt a lot like road playoff games in Cleveland, mm-hmm. which we've seen. It's not that you lost. It's that you lost and you got punked. You didn't compete nearly to the same level Guys are celebrating, having a good time. And there was no real energy or fight that the game was going to flip. Gets to seven, Kawhi rests, and it's a wrap. And there's no shot that he can even be off the floor for two minutes. And you could sustain any sort of success. Have Le- you guys seen Leonard, the numbers?
3: For Kawhi, well, I, was, on off?
2: I was about to read you some. This series, Kawhi Leonard, 113 points. He's shooting 63% from the floor. Pretty good. Rest of the team, 179 points, 35% from the floor. And if you took Siakam out of the rest of the team, it gets even uglier. There's too much length, too much size, and not enough depth.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, their offensive efficiency with Kawhi off the court in this series, like, it would literally be like the worst ever.
3: Yeah. I mean, obviously,
1: an extremely small sample size, but still, like, that's how bad we're talking. They can't get anything going if it's not Kawhi. And even Kawhi, like, Kawhi's having to score over length and you yes. can see he's making difficult shots. Like that third quarter was just a masterpiece in tough shot making. It's not like he was getting to the spots he wanted, elevating and like easy jumpers. No, he was like fading away over Ben Simmons and a double team. It, like he's not getting anything easy. He's just good enough to make it work.
2: For me, the onus on that, and I'll bring you in for your perspective on this, because I know you've, you've talked about this on, on the good show, is on Nick Nurse. Where have the adjustments been? Because the Sixers, are, are you going to
3: be okay? <laughs> no, I, I I've been really upset with the way Nick Nurse has been this series. But that was it's like so hard. Deep yeah. well, ever.
2: Yeah. my guy Amol, I'm going to say your name right. Finally, had to change the levels just for your side. Brett Brown, who people were saying maybe coaching for his job in this oh, series, he is,
1: yeah.
2: he's made some adjustment. He's like, you know what, Kawhi, you're cooking Jimmy Butler. Take some looks at Ben Simmons, who's at least different, yeah. m- more athletic. Pascal Siakam, you know what, maybe we're going to have Joel Embiid guard you because we don't really care if you play through Marcus on the post. Where has the counter been? This is now going into Game 4. The only thing I see that's different is that his rotation is shorter.
3: So I'm a big believer in two things can be true, or even more things than two can be true. And I think that the Raptors, because I've been getting a lot of pushback when I've gone and questioned Nick Nurse throughout the series from people and saying, well, he can't hit open shots. Like, he's not the one that's out there missing open shots. And I think Game 2 it was a thing where two things can be true, which is that there weren't enough adjustments, especially in the first half. Like, he knows that there are timeouts. He knows that he doesn't have to be as rigid. And yet, the offensive game plan has been pretty predictable. And basically, the only thing that has worked is Kawhi Leonard having those ISO plays that you mentioned. And, like, the third quarter, for a moment there, you thought he was going to save the series by himself. Because he had a sequence. In fact, I got it here with me. In the third, where it was just god mode, he hit the turnaround on Simmons.
0: Kawhi Leonard up top, directing traffic, wants a switch. Simmons stays with him. Kawhi, he's going to try to take it over. And he's got good, 26. Good I
3: mean, then an open mid-range shot that was basically a collapse by the Sixers' defense.
0: Complete game so far. Kawhi, jumpers, good.
3: Then he hits a three in transition.
0: Kawhi, the three, good. 29.
3: He gets a steal and an assist.
0: Broad shoulders for Kawhi Leonard. He 12 seems, in the quarter. Always seems to have an answer, Maddie. So mentally strong. Raptors need stops. They get one here. Numbers three on one. Kawhi to Siakam. What a read by Kawhi Leonard. fans back home.
3: And then hits a fall down jumper in the corner off the bounce.
0: 29 points. Turns the corner. Fading. God Unbelievable. Big-time performance on
3: the road. And you're thinking, oh, my God. This is the best player maybe on the planet right now. You're looking at who's performed the best in the postseason so far. It's Kawhi and KD. Mm-hmm. But KD has had guys around him that have played well. If you've watched the Warriors series against the Rockets, Klay Thompson is hitting shots. Steph Curry is hitting shots. Man, even Draymond Green is back to his old tricks. Right well, now with the Raptors, like, I just don't see any of the players helping Kawhi Leonard. And... That said, this is where Nick Nurse leads into It's like, you have to be put in positions to succeed, right? So two things can be true. The Raptors are definitely struggling, but I don't think that their head coach, with some of the rotational questions that they still continue to have, some of the combinations of players that we've known all season long have not been effective and continue to be deployed the way that they are, it's the same thing over and over and over again, which is Raptors players struggling, but also not in great spots where they can get going.
1: Yeah, Kawhi, that third quarter stretch you talked about, the last eight minutes of the third quarter, Kawhi had 14 and the Sixers had 14. Yeah. Uh, like he matched their scoring down the stretch and then he comes in with, I think he missed two minutes and 23 seconds to start the fourth and they lost those minutes 9-0. nothing. is, uh, you know, the clearest indication of a poorly coached game by Nick Nurse. It's... You know, what's the worst that happens? He wears down, down the stretch of the fourth. That's a risk you take. Yep. You know, that's the the risk of battle on a night when Kawhi Leonard's the only one who's keeping you in it. If he wears down on the, like, no one's going to criticize you. Well, maybe some will, but no one's going to really criticize you if you lose the game because Kawhi gets tired down the stretch after the only reason you're in the game is Kawhi Leonard. People are going to criticize you when the only reason you're in the game is sitting on the bench while the game gets away from
3: you. But don't you guys think this goes back to the same thing, which is the rigidity of Nick Nurse, which has been like, it hasn't felt as fluid... Well, As it doesn't add up it to be. because
1: he—he's supposed to be the guy who's—he was so yeah. experimental with lineup combinations during the regular season, and the whole point of it was, well, so that when we get to the playoffs, there's no, you know, panic. There's no like, oh, we haven't done this before because we've done it. We've done everything, and then he gets to the playoffs, and the rigidity with his like substitution patterns was ridiculous with the first two games, especially against the Philly team. Brett Brown is known for his kind of like quirky substitution patterns. He's the only coach I've ever seen in the NBA who starts every second and fourth quarter with his starters on the court. Mm -hmm. He'll take Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons out like five minutes into a half just so that he gets the patterns the way he wants them to. And Nurse just hasn't responded. Like, you know, it was bad enough when he gave Jody Meeks his like standard 90 seconds of playing Uh, time in game one and two for no reason. Kills me. Kills me. Like you look at last night, how bad the bench is right now. All those guys are borderline unplayable. And I understand you (laughs) you can't obviously go 48 minutes with your starters, but... You also don't have to play the trio of Serge Ibaka, Fred Van Vliet and Norman Powell together. seven minutes together. Yes. That is seven minutes too
3: long in this game. Like I couldn't believe we saw it again.
1: Yeah. And then in terms of like tactical stuff, I guess you can look at it. Like Brown took a risk last night because after Embiid on Siakam worked so well in game two, they went away from it last night. They started the game again with Tobias Harris on him, And that could have really backfired for the Sixers and people would be talking about, well, Brett Brown, you had it figured out. Why'd you switch? But, on the flip side, I think it kind of messed with the Raptors. I'm
3: so glad you brought this up. Because
1: in Game 2, you could see how it beat on Siakam, messed with Siakam, but also messed with the Raptors' offense. Siakam wasn't attacking the way he usually does because he had a rim protector. He's not a comfortable pull-up shooter yet. He's a good corner three-point shooter. So, you know, everyone was talking about, okay, well, here's what they're going to do in Game 3. They're going to have a Siakam attack from the corners. They're going to go through Gasol in the post because Tobias Harris can't guard him. And then they come out for game three and it's like, oh, wait a minute. This is the, the look we saw in game one. We haven't really prepared for this yet in the yeah. last few days. Like, I don't think that's an excuse because this is an NBA team in the second round of the playoffs. They should be prepared for all these different looks, but they didn't look
3: like they were last night. Cool. I'm glad you brought that up just quickly is that I thought it discombobulated the Raptors right of the gate is that you saw them try to go to Gasol early and use him as a touch point in the post and Embiid was on him and it was like, wait. This wasn't what we planned to see. This wasn't the look that we plan on having. And then you saw some early, like them trying to get Gasol going, even though Embiid was on him and he's taking some early shots. And you thought, why is this it? Why isn't it going to Pascal Siakam? Why aren't you moving the ball around? Eventually they did catch up with that. Eventually Danny Green started hitting some open shots. But again, it comes to that whole idea of almost a lack of preparation for that Raptors team that they weren't able to just say, well, this was a possibility. It was like they were completely dumbfounded that that was the look that they were getting at the beginning of that game.
2: Well, the other thing it allowed him to do uh, was protect the rim and be yeah. a great help defender. And had five blocks on the night; all of them were on Pascal Siakam or Kawhi Leonard.
0: Butler fading shot doesn't go. Lead pass scooped up by Siakam to the trailing Kawhi. Attacks swatted
2: away. He was helping the primary defenders. We haven't mentioned a name, and and I think the. Embiid becoming closer to his actual self without the flu and being at home, you know, basically being a heel for that fan base, and he plays much better at home, is why they own the paint, 52-36, to why they out-rebounded them by 10. But we haven't mentioned the name, and I think it's the reason why... Maybe Nick Nurse thought he could rest Kawhi more than he actually could, because he theoretically has another all-star on this team. He's not playing like one. Kyle Lowry, 2 for 14 from three in this series, had the worst plus-minus in the game last night. The Kyra Lowry stands are going to say he's a plus-minus god, and he makes all of these hustle plays. And I have been on the critical side of the spectrum, and people crush me for it every time he steps up and has a big playoff game. Last night was not a great look mm. for him, so much so that... Clint Sparks, someone who theoretically, according to Reddit, has trained Kawhi at some point, tweeted 33 million and zero game. Now he quickly deleted it, but it's funny when I watch Kyle
3: Lowry. The Kawhi camp is leaking. That's how bad Kyle Lowry is playing, <laughs> that it's breaking the Kawhi camp. I, I mean, it's funny. I watched Kyle through the lens of not only are you
2: hurting the team right now in this moment, if I'm Kawhi, do I want to play
3: with you at. 33 34 35 36 I think it's tempting to get into that mindset because we are I think as Raptors commentators and especially in this postseason you see the way Kawhi Leonard's playing and it's remember those narratives that sort of kind of floating around of hey if Kawhi leaves it's like they have Pascal now they have this pillar to build around it's like no 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 Kawhi Leonard is one of the five most important players in the NBA if he leaves it's devastating you look at San Antonio It's like, wow, they have Greg Popovich, they have this foundation, they have a couple of all-stars, yeah, you're bouncing the first round, you're basically irrelevant, and that's the future that the Raptors are looking at, and I think it's really hard to not look at everything through that lens, and I, I try to pull myself back from it too, oftentimes, because I'm like, if we're gonna go with the presumption of we don't know what Kawhi Leonard is thinking, then I... Try at least to keep the Kyle Lowry stuff the offseason. Because what are we going to say? It kind of feels foolish if Kyle Lowry comes out and has a good game four, right? Like we know he's capable of having. No, it doesn't feel foolish. And this is
2: why. Because look at the guards who are still playing. Steph Curry, James Harden when he has eyeballs that work, Dame Lillard, Kyrie Irving. They don't routinely start a series after half of it is over oh, and go bad. two for 14 from three. They play with another All Star, but that All Star can rest and not mm-hmm. think that the house is going to burn down. And I know he, listen, his chase down rebound may have been the, still the most important play of this playoff run.
0: The step back over Gordon. It's short. Who wants it. Lowry well, saved it. What a play by Kyle Lowry. The shot clock is
2: off. Makes so many hustle plays. He has more charges no than a lot of teams. But. You can't have the highs being so high and the lows being so low when you're an All Star. You just can't. Well, the th- difference between All Star and everybody else is that you are consistent.
1: <laughs> yeah. And the thing with game three in this series is that, like, we talk about the hustle plays and all the little things Kyle Lowry does to um, create, like, an environment of winning basketball. The problem with game three is he wasn't doing those things. He had, uh, like, a chase down rebound, I think, early in the first quarter. And it was like, all right, you know, that's a Lowry play. But other than that, like, he was. Losing his man on cuts. There was a couple plays in the third quarter when Kawhi was on that run and the Sixers were responding because like Lowry lost Tobias Harris on a cut or he fell asleep on his defensive rebounding assignment, like little things that we don't usually see Kyle Lowry do. And those are the little things that when you compound them with a, you know, whatever he shot last night, I think 2 of 10, mm-hmm. like that's when you're just at a total loss. You need him to be better offensively anyway. But if he's not going to shoot the ball well, and he's not going to do the usual Kyle Lowry things, either on the defensive end or like in the open floor, then you're really in trouble. Well, well And, he, he, when, and when he's
2: going to yeah. pass up open shots as well. Which, <laughs> it, which is
1: not just him, by the way. Gasol
2: too. Gasol yeah. too. Even I mean, Green less so. But in general... This ball movement is great. Yeah. Can it lead to a shot that's not from Kawhi or Pascal? Well, especially
1: when, like, it's been clear since the beginning of Game 2, they're sending extra bodies to Kawhi. And they're not, like, hard doubling him, where he's just got two on them, but they're sending extra guys into the lane. They're cutting in and they're cutting back out. Pascal's starting to draw some double teams. The only way to unclog the paint is, I mean, A, you should make shots, but at the very least, take shots. Yes. They're already not worried about Pascal shooting above the break. If they're not going to worry about Kyle Lowry and Marcus Gasol shooting, there's literally no need for this t- the Sixers to take any of this extra help off Kawhi. So now you've got this clogged paint where Kawhi and mm-hmm. Pascal can't operate. Kawhi can only because he's Kawhi and he's like a different beast. But for the most part, the offense can't run the way it's designed to because the paint is so clogged. And then the guys that are supposed to unclog it with their shooting won't even
3: attempt to. There were some sequences in that third quarter that I think that's the most troubled I felt all series was when it's late in the clock, and you see most guys wanting to heave it in that spot, even when there is a little bit of a, a contested look. The Raptors
0: had passed it around so many times. It was almost the end of the clock. Well, and remember, in Game 2, the Raptors passed that ball 67 more times than they did in Game 1. They didn't take their shots. That was the problem. So, yeah, it's nice when you move the ball, but when you got a good look, you have to take it. Gasol misses...
3: Most guards in the NBA want to take that shot because it's basically a free look. It's late in the clock, I'm here. Mm-hmm. And Kyle Lowry and Marcus All both on multiple occasions had at least, you know, a foot or two of space late in the shot clock, passed it up, kept swinging it around to guys who weren't painfully wide open. This wasn't Danny Green wide open without a defender within 5 feet. This was like just swinging it to another guy that had a defender in his face. And yeah, he and Lowry 4 of 14. I don't think it's sustainable that you can win without having either of those guys perform at a higher level. And that was kind of my question for you guys is like Donovan, you're mentioning he's Kyle Lowry is supposed to be an all-star. He's supposed to be a number two. It's like the whole thing was that he's supposed to slot into the number three role. And now that he's not doing that effectively, it's like a whole new level of what the hell for Kyle Lowry. And to me, it's the most concerning thing about the series because we've seen a lot of Kyle Lowry. We've seen Kyle Lowry at his best. We know what that looks like. He just looked so far removed from that in this game. And I don't want to doubt them but if you can't be that number three, if you can't just knock down those open shots, if you're only getting five assists, if you're not doing those plays that you're mentioning, and you don't have a guard behind you and Fred Van Vliet who can play essentially at all, I'm very, very concerned about the Raptors point guard play in this series and like what it's going to equate to moving forward. It would probably be my like biggest trouble point, and I wonder if it's the same for you guys. What
2: Late in game two when they're making their furious run. To be fair, he stuck two big threes.
0: Raptors out of the timeout. Kawhi into the lane, kicks out to Siakam. Siakam into the lane, up top to Lowry. Open three ball, Kyle Lowry. Triple is good. North side three for Kyle. The lead down to four for Philly. 90-84, Philly by six. Kawhi crosses over into the lane, kicks out open on the near wing. Lowry busted. West side three. For Kyle Lowry, Philly's lead is three with 134 to go. They inbound.
2: So, again, I don't necessarily want to overreact yep. on one game because this is what the playoffs are, right? Are those his yes. yeah. two threes? Yeah, those are the two threes. This is what playoffs are, where after game one, get ready. Where is the parade route, <laughs> yeah. right? Warriors look a little bit vulnerable. This team is connected. Philly is just all-stars, no depth. Game two, hey, we missed shots, but we feel good. Game three, blow the team up, right? Like, this is what the playoffs yeah. are. So I don't want to overreact, but I do think there are symptoms of a, of a more chronic issue. And in this series specifically, not just Kyle with Fred, we're watching them and it's like there's a couple guys who are away on a field trip, so you brought up a couple JV players to play senior. <laughs> They're so much smaller than the length that Philly offers that Jimmy Butler is at times guarding... Kyle, and I, I, like, I can't even see him on the screen. And with Fred, it's even worse. And neither of those guys feel comfortable. And both of them, when they're right, they play with a little bit of, of a swagger, and I'm not seeing that at all.
1: Yeah. If this was a, a stretch during the regular season, we'd point at those guys and be like, they're unplayable right now. Like, you know, give someone else a minute, see what that look is like. And the only reason we're not really doing it, or at least Nick Nurse isn't doing it, is because it's like a strange thing in the playoffs with your season on the line to be like, hey, Pam yeah. go save our season, buddy. They're at the point where they might actually have to do something like that. It gets unbelievable how bad they've been. Fred Van Vliet, I mean, he's always been an undersized guard and he struggles with bigger teams that can throw length on him, but like the decisions he's making are ridiculous. This isn't just about not seeing the floor well, this is about his effort doesn't look the same. Uh, he doesn't look like a willing shooter either or a confident one. He's hitting front rim on a lot of his attempts. Serge Ibaka looks like last year Cleveland series Serge Ibaka which again was basically unplayable does not look like the guy who had a kind of a career renaissance this year and then JD you were talking about you know nurse putting them in positions to succeed Serge Ibaka can really hurt a team like Philly's bigs if they run some pick and pop for him which was bread and butter for them during the season. Like, it was money for them.
3: It was one of their go-to plays like, for the first like half of the year. I think they run, like, three
1: pick-and-pops the yeah. whole series for Ibaka. Like, whether it's Embiid, whether it's Greg Monroe, which is laughable that we're even talking about that. Oh, my. Boban, Amir Johnson got, like, five minutes at the end of Game 2 those guys can all be exploited by yep. pulling them away from the rim on defense and you've got Serge Ibaka who succeeded all year with that pick and pop game and they're just not running it like it doesn't make sense to me
3: well especially in the context of and, and everyone's brought this up the, the idea of almost trying to hardline match Gasol with Embiid and yesterday it didn't matter because Embiid was mm-hmm. an absolute monster and, and when he's knocking down his three point shot and what was he three or three
0: three or four three
3: or four good. yeah
0: here's Embiid launching a three to double digits. And he's perfect from behind the arc. Three of three. As we said coming into this game, he was just one of six in the first two.
3: Then it's over, right? If Embiid's going to hit that long ball and it forces Gasol to come outside and he's going to look as healthy as he did, then that's a problem in itself. But with Abaka as a backup, playing him with the starters, which he was already comfortable with against lesser bigs like Greg Monroe should be a massive advantage for them. And so far it hasn't been like the fact that he has not been an advantage in the series is crazy. And going into this game, I wrote down three things that I wanted to see that were, I thought critical for the Raptors. And one was that is nurse going to find ways to free up Pascal Siakam. Is he going to normalize? And we didn't really see that. Like even Joel Embiid as a help defender seemed to be in his head. Can you get more from the bench? They didn't. And again, Nick nurse continue to put three guys together that haven't worked together all season and put them in very similar spots. Like he cut down on some minutes, for some guys and stretched out his starters, but ultimately like they were the same rotations that you've seen before, just for fewer minutes. And then what was it going to look like with a more aggressive Gasol and Kyle Lowry looking for their, that secondary offense. And like none of those things came to fruition. And that's why you're right, man. I think game four is going to tell us so much about the Toronto Raptors. And I think Sirat Sowie had an excellent tweet during the first round, which is I love game fours because they tell you who you are. And I think that's what it's going to be for the Raptors is like, who are you? Are you a team that is just Kawhi Leonard and nobody else and you were basically fraudulent around the edges and you poured out all your depth in a bunch of trades? Or are you a team that is built around one of the best starting units in the NBA and they can overcome a group like Philadelphia on the road?
1: Well, you mentioned like the bench is minutes being cut and it was a little bit, but even still with some cut minutes, all three of those guys all played 16 to 21 minutes. In a play, like that's just, you can't have that. It's the playoffs, man, against a Philly team that sure they're not deep, but if there's one thing they've got, it's like top end talent they're on the court much of the game because they've got five guys who are really good. So even if you only keep two or three of them out there, they're going to be playing a lot of the game. You can't have all of Fred norm and surge playing 16 plus minutes. Like it's not working.
3: Can I ask you my desperation play here? I know Jeremy Lynn was out with back spasms <laughs> last game, but if he's healthy, how is he not getting minutes from Fred Van Vliet next game? Considering, okay, this is my case for Jeremy Lynn. Did you watch the Sixers Nets series? Like, did you watch a lot of that series? It yeah. was up against a lot of different things. So, Spencer Dinwiddie, and I'm not saying that uh, Jeremy Lin is nearly as good as Spencer Dinwiddie now in his career, but Dinwiddie did a really good job of being one of those bigger guards that, at the point of attack on the perimeter, was able to penetrate, get into the defense, and find other shooters and and create for others and get to the rim. And I think Jeremy Lin has a more similar skill set to Spencer Dinwiddie than any of the Raptors point guards. Again, I'm not saying Jeremy Lin come save the season but the way Fred Van Vliet is playing, the way that you mentioned how the length is just killing him defensively, if he's not going to hit a corner three wide open, if he's going to be front rimming it, Jeremy Lin can do that part of the equation. And if Fred Van Vliet's going to drive into traffic the way that he did on that one outlet pass early in the game, where he just inexplicably decides, you know what, I'm going to try to go up into two bigger defenders and finish over top of them.
0: Green, no. Green with a rebound. One, ten to go. Lead pass. Here's Fred Van Vliet.
3: Uh, you can't do that, then let me at least see what Jeremy Lin is because he's actually just going to give you a better version of what you've already seen with Fred Van Vliet with a little bit more size.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's very counterintuitive to say, okay, we're 7 of 27 from 3 in game 3, so we're going to put in the guy who didn't hit a 3 for a month. I think the player that you're describing that you're looking for, I think his name is DeLon Wright. I think that's the actual player that in this series would actually help with his length, with his athleticism, ability to defend multiple positions, and with his ability to make the half court into a fast break, because it's another thing they're not doing. Much of it is because they're not getting stops, but they're not getting fast break points.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, you know who they miss in this series? OG Ananobi. Like,
3: <laughs> true. You know, Big you, time.
1: guy with length who can play on both ends, who can, you know, it's just another body to throw out a Jimmy Butler, or a Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris. Like, a, he can defend any of those guys, basically. it's
3: He's good. a personality you'd like to yeah. see in this series, yeah. too. Because, yeah. you know what? There were moments in that game where, especially late, that you start to see a team fold. And that's the stuff that gives you the flashbacks. That's the stuff that gives you the PTSD and makes you think about, you know, game four against the Cavs. And again, that series against the wizards in 2015, like those are when you start to think, Oh no, not, not this again. This is when, when you use the word punked, that's the way you get punked to me is when your team just loses its will to even fight back and push back.
1: I was just say the one thing I guess I'd say, because you know, Donovan, you started this podcast off by saying that I can bring a positive spin to it. and yeah, I, I'm i waiting <laughs> for it, Joe. <laughs> yeah, I haven't done it yet. And I don't even think it's positivity. I think it's kind of like rea- realism really in a room of maybe pessimism. But no, what I was going to say is, do you guys remember game three in Milwaukee a couple of years ago mm-hmm. to go down 2-1 in that series? Mm-hmm. They got waxed. Yeah, like the DeRozan even, miss every shot game. Even worse than they did last night. I think they lost by 20. Play. Like it was like 27 at one It was bad. And the sky was falling, and they didn't have Kawhi Leonard in that series. Now, the Sixers are a better team than that Bucks team, but it was the same circumstances. They were down 2-1 with a Game 4 on the road. They had just got waxed. Everyone thought, like, this is it. They're going to lose. They're going to get upset by the Bucks. Everything's going to go downhill. Who knows what's going to happen to Rosen and Lowry? And then they came back with a really, really good performance and didn't lose again in that series.
3: I'm pessimistic about that game. Like, I'm pissed about that performance because it was so out of character right. with the group that we saw from Game 1. And just the way that this series has devolved and the idea that, yeah, I don't think that Brown is a particularly excellent coach. In fact, if you ask any Philly fan, they will tell you that the number one problem with that team is him. And the fact that Nick nurse who, you know, was hired to be a guy and an offensive, let's just say it like he was supposed to be an offensive innovator that the offense has been in this brutal through the last two games. And it has looked so uncreative and so, so similar And the the patterns have all been the same, that that's been really disappointing to me. But I remain optimistic that the Raptors five, when they are at their best, are a better starting five and a better fit together than the Sixers. I still think that Gasol is the best option that you can have in the league to go up against Joel Embiid. I still think Kawhi Leonard is playing as good as anybody not named Kevin Durant right now and maybe better considering what's around him. So I'm with Donovan. I think that game four is the series, is that if the Raptors lose that game, it's done. If they win this game, I'm very much back on to, okay, well they won that game on the road in Philly. We're back. They can do whatever they want.
2: Yeah. I mean, defensively we gave Gasol a lot of love on his job on Embiid. And that was just kind of cascading off the love we gave him for his job against Fusevich. And now you start to think, well, was game one more about Embiid's knee tendinitis and game two more about Embiid's flu and game three with Gasol being a minus 26 more an accurate assessment. again,
3: it's one Embiid game. Embiid was so hot, though, too, right? Like, it really does change things. That shot he hasn't had from the outside all se- all season, essentially, and all of a sudden last night, you know, that's nine of his points. And then it forces Gasol to come out, and, like, that's how you see that fly-in dunk that Embiid has, that, that windmill dunk that he ends up doing at the end of the game. I love Kendrick Perkins' tweet about that. Did you see that? No, that Nick so, Nurse is showing yeah. it on loop. said, if, no. if I'm Nick Nurse, my whole video session is just showing it on loop and saying,
0: thoughts? <laughs> Joel Embiid up fake down the lane. windmills a slam this game is over and he is more than comfortable and the left knee tendonitis appears to be fine yeah. amazingly it's okay right now and if i'm a raptor i'm watching this right now like i said you go down 2-1 it's not the end of the world but trust me i'm going to use every bit of that for fuel going forward
2: it was not a good look to me the, the biggest thing is the bench
3: or lack thereof. Optimism or problem?
2: Problem? No, pro- optimism. <laughs> problem? They. they well, because you can't get worse. Like we're reaching a rock bottom situation <laughs> well, here, where like Fred yeah. VanVleet's
3: gonna hit one open three, and it's like, wow, that's all your points in the series so yeah. far. Yeah, I mean, like he's one of eleven in the series.
2: Yes, it, the problem is that normally you're optimistic about the bench, and it normally is a strength. The bench averaged thirty six points throughout the regular season. Last night, they gave you 15. They've been outscored 73 to 30. When your bench was supposed to be the strength, Mike Scott and James Ennis gave them real good minutes. And when you just look at the Orlando series, their average in terms of points is down 18. Their field goal percentage is down 17. Their three-point percentage is down nine. Rebounds down five. Their bench has been appreciably worse in a specific matchup where your bench was supposed to be a strength. And I don't know if you're Nick Nurse and we'll end the podcast with... With your prognosis, you know, what you would prescribe to the patient. I don't know if you're Nick Nurse, if you can do anything other than play your bench less. And assume like, I'm treating this like a game seven. And I'm treating Kawhi Leonard like he's LeBron James.
3: And his rest is going to come during TV timeouts. Yeah, they just came off of two days off. Like two ga- days without a game. So... Yeah, I expect that you can push your guys a little bit more in those scenarios. Well, I just don't know if there's an, an X's
2: yeah. and O's fix that's no. going to change things. Uh, so I'm Fred VanVleet's not, not getting taller.
3: No, <laughs> I, and I'm not. I'm not a better coach than Nick Nurse, and I'm not anyone that's better than that staff. My solutions have always been the same, which is again, don't play those same three bench guys at the same time. Try to put them in more of a position to succeed by staggering them more with the starters having that hardline match a little bit more with Gasol, let, trying to get Serge going with the starting group, letting him play with Kyle Lowry a little bit more instead of Fred Van Vliet, where both guys are struggling and both guys aren't really looking for it. But when it comes to basically the the main reason for optimism or the, the one thing that you absolutely need is that if they're going to put Tobias Harris back on Pascal Siakam he's got to be the guy to me that factors more importantly than anybody else into the series, because he's got to do those same things of those, those slashing plays to the basket where he's finishing over traffic and he's beating Joel Embiid to the spots. And he's got to be able to recognize when Joel Embiid comes over as the help, he's got to find ways to pass out of those spots. And I know that's a really difficult thing to ask of someone is like, Hey, this is your first year as being most improved player of the year, but that's the kind of role he's assumed with this team. And yes, Kyle Lowry is important. And yes, Marc Gasol is important. But I don't think after Kawhi Leonard that anybody's offense is as important as Pascal Siakam's in the series because if he's being guarded by Joel Embiid, he's got to find ways to either suck Joel Embiid out, force him to respect that dribble, and Nurse has to be creative enough to free him up off of him with some screens. And if he's not, then he's got to be aggressive with his offense and better with his playmaking and knock down those open three-point shots from the corner that he's been so good at all season. So for me, it's, it's going to come down to what version of Pascal Siakam that we see in game two or game four.
1: I think you have to find a way to convince Kyle Lowry and Marcusall to let it fly. Yeah. Um, you cannot have more than two of those reserves on the court at one time. Like you need three starters on the court at all times minimum. Kawhi's probably gonna play forty plus minutes. Easy, not probably.
3: Wouldn't you want it if you're Kawhi? Those other but
1: things. I think he does. Like yeah. after game one in the Orlando series. He's like, I could have played more. Yeah, He said that, you know, although he thinks they could
3: win with him playing those minutes, he's ready to play more. But like to start that fourth quarter, that was so mind boggling to me because I I get what Nick Nurse was trying to do, right? We all get it. It's like, you can't play him the entire game and you don't want him, but you've already hit on this point. I know that, yeah, it's a luxury if he does gas out at the end of the game, but then like start using timeouts, use your substitution, then give him a blow then. And the amount of time that he sat, like, I just thought if you're Kawhi Leonard there, you're looking at Nick Nurse, like, what are you doing? I'm red hot. Leave me in this basketball game. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's on him to be a little more forceful in
1: that regard, but I don't know. That just doesn't seem like it's in his nature, right? Like, to be the guy who says to his coach, no, I'm actually not coming out. But it was weird, man. It was weird to just see Kawhi sitting there and Nick Nurse crouching there. Yeah, again, it was only two minutes and 23 seconds, but think of how good Kawhi Leonard was in that third quarter and how good he was all game. Again, he was the only reason the Raptors were in that game. He did not touch the court in the fourth quarter until it was a six possession game. Till the game is over. Yeah.
2: For me, this team, it starts at the best of times with defense. And yeah. if you're a Raptors fan and you want to look at an indicator on how th- this game's going to go, look at field goal attempts for Joel Embiid and field goal attempts for Jimmy Butler. I've just Jimmy Butler taking 10 threes with something that doesn't happen. If Tobias Harris beats me, I have a good time in free agency making yeah. all that money. If Ben Simmons hits shot after shot, fair enough. Redick running off screens, I'll live with that. But... There has to be not a soft, a hard double. We have to trap. You have to show hard. Those guys are clearly a problem, and they, they give the rest of the team energy when they score. So to me, as much as we talked about the offensive issues, 64 points and a half.
3: That's an optimistic thing, is that the Raptors' defense was historically good, right? They almost tied that 55 Pistons number that we kept seeing, which was like, if it would have been six games in a row holding opponents under 42% from the floor and under 100 points, You'd have to go back for 1955 to see a playoff performance like that, and the Raptors were on that type of run. Yep. So if there's anything that like is going to normalize, I think that it's them getting back to that defensive intensity and and knowing that hey, this is our team's identity, and and we're not just going to give them they're not we're not just going to give them buckets and force our way to come back with shot making.
2: It is Friday. A week from now, we will be discussing this team, and the conversation will go. One of three ways.
3: Oh, I thought you were making a prediction they're going to win. Oh like, no, no we're no, we no, s- discussing no. this team in a positive way. No, I mean, the Bucks.
2: We'll we'll either be talking about locker cleanout and mm. what do you make of this season the way it ended. We'll be talking about moving on to the next round and facing a team that wears green, or we'll be talking about a potential Game Seven and another Philly Raptors Game Seven. Either way, it's going to be fascinating. Thanks for uh, breaking down, fellas. Quickly, what do we have from you guys in the near future?
1: Uh yeah. People go to the score app, they can find all my playoff takeaways after pretty much every playoff game, but mostly the Raptors games, takeaways up from last night, right now.
3: They're really good. I very, yeah. very much enjoy your work. I'm Appreciate glad I actually got to meet you. Appreciate uh, that. in person. Kishario. And, and it's Kasharo. And
2: Damn it. <laughs> I was just about know, so well. to appreciate you second, though.
3: <laughs> I was about to be like, uh, yeah, dumb. and See, that's how it's when someone says uh, yeah. their name it's to a you. one day. It's, it's taken it him like 12 it.
2: years. On Twitter, it's at Joseph, C A S C I A R O. And listeners of this podcast already know on Twitter, it's at JD
3: Bunkus. You got the good show. Who you got coming up? First of all, so rude. You come on that show all the time. It's just good show. There's no the
2: okay whatever
3: yeah it's just good show the as in the thing the good show today we have bobby marks and he's one oh, of nice. my favorites and so i'm gonna get his perspective on things because he's always been someone that has a really good appreciation for the raptors a bunch of other stuff too but i think the big thing is that i'm back here for the playoffs with you well, however long that lasts we'll see uh this could be a very very short relationship this could end up like you said being a week and then we're talking about locker cleanup but i hope it's longer i hope that it's a, a the raptors run that we all expected after that Magic series, which was finals run.
2: Yeah, and this will come out after your Polly Marks interview, but your show is also a podcast, so make sure to listen and subscribe to that. Same way you listen, subscribe, share, and like this. Uh, This has been Free Association. Hopefully, the next convo, a little bit more positive.